Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it! Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again! Car intercepted. Boom, we're back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfers. From the phone, having some technical difficulties. It's, it's very on brand, right? Last episode of the year, and my computer's going to break down just like Joe Lombardi's offense and the Chargers in the second half on Saturday. Um, one thing you have to admit about the Shock Therapy Podcast, we stay on brand over here. We stay on brand, and I want to keep this upbeat. I don't want to talk about just the whole loss the whole time. I actually want to bring up some great news. I feel like it's it's done deal. We right? need it. So we got some some big updates coming from the Shock Therapy podcast. Uh, kind of rebranding just the Shock Therapy because we got a couple different things going on. Number one, uh, we are joining a new network. We're joining Belly Up Sports you haven't heard of Belly Up Sports, there's 50-plus podcasts on this network. They have a whole website with articles and a ton of other good information. Uh, you're talking about partnerships with some key brands, Yeti, uh, Skull Candy, uh, as well as Manscaped and some of the other ones. Just like a, a much bigger uh, introduction into a new and exciting opportunity for us. How are you feeling about our, uh, our upgrade. I, I like to think of it as a, a promotion. How you It's absolutely that? an upgrade. Um, it's exactly what the Chargers need to do at, at offensive coordinator. I know Joe Lombardi got canned, but I can't be, I, I couldn't be more excited for this um, new chapter for the Shock Therapy podcast. You mentioned all the partnership deals. One you didn't mention, which I'm super excited about. They got a partnership deal with a portable uh, beer bong. Who doesn't need a portable beer bong at their disposal? I know, um, I would love one. I haven't got one yet, but waiting for that transition to take full effect because, um, yeah, 
I'm stoked. We we could talk about the Chargers blowing the 27 point lead, the first team to blow, um, win the turnover battle five to nothing, and still lose. But at the end of the day, I'm a Charger fan. I'm excited for what's to come, um, and and that's kind you of where look I'm at. Forward. With you gotta, you gotta look, look forward, forward to good things. And I'm really excited about this opportunity. I love the fact that. Um, it's kind of like a family, which is what the Say It Again Network kind of was as well. And nothing yeah. against the Say It Again Network. It just seemed that uh, people were starting to go their own way. And it was just time to move on to something different. I love all those guys over there. Um, all those guys are a great group of guys. And they, they brought us in open arms. Uh, they helped us grow. Uh, and I, I have nothing but respect for every single one of them. I'm so excited uh, for a lot of the things that they have done. And, you know, as we start to transition and move into season three of the Shock Therapy podcast, there's just a lot of things good going on with us right now. That's how that that feels good to hear that season three of the Shock Therapy podcast coming soon. We're going to take very few uh, time off and we're going to get right back at it. It's like we didn't miss anything. And um, yeah, again, just super excited to be here. Thanks for everybody who's followed us along the way. And then. You know, just stay tuned because, um, yeah, a lot more to come moving forward. And some of those other things coming. Uh, I've been working on a new modernized logo, so you guys will get a chance to look at that. Um, we will be moving into some kind of new intro. I don't know what that's going to look like yet. Uh, by the way, I don't know if anyone has seen, but I've actually started our own blog, our own website. Uh, we don't own the domain yet because uh, I don't know if it's going to really kick off. But I've been kind of posting little articles here and there. Um, so if you get a chance to go and take a look at that, it will be up on our uh, website. You'll be able to see some of that. And let's not forget that uh, I am still working on the magazine. Magazines are almost finished. There's just a lot rolling with shock therapy right now. And I'm just really excited about where we're headed as we're moving into, like you just said, uh, as exciting as it sounds, season three. New chapter, new beginnings. Um yeah, you know, I'd like to consider us a, a podcast with Super Bowl caliber potential. And um, I think <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out for us. Um, All the talent yeah, in the again, world. Excited. We just got to find a way to utilize it. We got to call the right plays, get the right shot plays in there. And establish like the run. Of them. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> Good things are happening. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's talk. Uh, let's bring bring the excitement down a little bit. Uh, let's talk a, about this uh, Chargers 30 to 31 loss. Uh, there was a lot of good things to take away for the first half of it. <laughs> That's it. That's all I we want to talk about. We were completely dominant in the first half, especially when Justin Herbert only had to go 40 yards to score. Um, wow, what a meltdown. I mean, there's no other way to describe it, but there's some players that played their ass off. First, I, I just want you to tell me everything I need to know about Asante Samuel Jr. and the record he owned, the, the outstanding play. Put it out there for me. Give, give it to me. Well, first player in their playoff debut to have three interceptions in a playoff game. Absolutely unheard of. And um, one half. And one half. Um, absolutely sticky in coverage. Has the ball skills to go along with it. Yeah, he's a little bit undersized, but he is a behemoth of a dog. Um, I 
so excited to watch the rest of his career play out because we have a hell of a player. Got him in the second round. A lot of people slept on him, took some other taller, um, less skilled players over him just because of that. that is the nature of the NFL. They like their six-foot corners. Um, I'm going to take Asante Samuel over lots of them uh, because you, you, you can't take the – what a competitor. And he just puts himself in the right spots to make plays. And I think early on – in his career, he was in the he was in the right position. Those balls were just getting batted to the turf. He he has figured out where his eyes need to be to turn those would be uh, passes deflected into interceptions. And he was an absolute animal for us. A big reason why um, our average starting field position in this game was at our own forty-one yard line. In that first that first half, um, set, we had seven total drives. Three of them were in the red zone already to begin with. One was on the six-yard line. Um, so you can't speak enough about this defense. Offense really just didn't get it done, and I think that's just a reoccurring theme on the year. Asante Samuels, next year, I feel like he's going to be one of those top dogs, top five he has to in the be. same realm as Jalen Ramsey. Uh, probably more than likely going to get uh, a, a bigger – he's going to be a bigger name than what J.C. Jackson is. Uh, I'm not looking forward to his future um, contract because it's going to be massive because his trajectory where he is at right now and where he started two years ago, when we drafted him. I mean, sky's the limit. He's so good at this point, like way, way faster growth than his father. Um, I loved everything I saw from Sante Samuel, six pass deflections, three On interceptions, top, yeah. and the guys come around into his tackling. Uh Take some bad angles here and there, but he's aggressive. Uh, he's physical. He's small, but his heart's big. And he's just been the ultimate playmaker for us this season, week in and week out. And his total, like, it, obviously I, I would have liked to see a healthy J.C. Jackson this year. But hit, hit, and I think you, you got to look at, I'm not going to call it a bright spot, but you got to take, it is something that's helped this team, I think, in the long term is the straight absolute emergence of Asante Samuel. You're going to have a very, very tough decision next year if you're Brandon Staley, figuring out how to utilize those three guys. And Asante Samuel, uh, J.C. Jackson coming back, hopefully he can be you know, just 80 to 70% of what he used to be. And then another guy who's had a, a tremendous resurgence of a career um, is Michael Davis, coming off of that contract he just signed in the offseason. He earned every bit of that, um, looking like a, an everyday corner. So you got three guys who can play the outside. Gives you that versatility to switch them up a bit because I know Asante Samuel, right, coming out of the draft, is like he's a slot corner only. He's proved the doubters that he could play anywhere um, at that cornerback position, and um, it's a it's a good luxury to have when you have when you're battling for playing position. You got three guys to fill two spots. Yeah, uh, hopefully Michael Davis is still with us next year. We'll get into some of the uh, off-season dealings, and I think Michael Davis might be one of those cap casualties because our cap space going into the off-season is not healthy. But that being said, um, the defense swarmed uh, the the Jaguars and really turned Trevor Lawrence into a a Nathan Peterman type of game, and (laughs) somehow they still end up losing it. Um, and I think a, a, a big issue with it was the Chargers' issues to sustain drives on the offensive side of the ball. 
especially in the second half. Um, yeah, you can point to the missed field goal, but this game really should have been like a 30 to three, uh, 40 to three type of game. But uh, Chargers just couldn't uh, capitalize on the big lead. Uh, a big major issue that I saw specifically was the inability to run the ball in the second half and the the not even want to. We ran the ball seven times with at one point a 27 to zero lead in the second half, only seven uh, total rushes. I mean, for a team, and we were talking about it in the playoffs, you have to be able to run the ball. You have to control the clock. And ultimately it got Joe Lombardi fired. So our inability to establish a run game hurt this entire team. And it was the biggest weakness I saw because there was no trust in the offensive line. There was no trust in Joe Lombardi's play calling. Um, we we came out in the second half and we continued to throw the ball. If you want to go and, and go against your tendencies, uh, the tendencies of a normal coach, yeah, I get that you might want to do that on first down. Uh, but at the same time, you have to keep an eye on that clock and you have to sustain long drives. And the Chargers just did not choose to do that at all. You mentioned the seven rushing attempts to total just seven yards. So beyond just the lack of using it, you were just inefficient when you did decide to run the ball. On top of that, you know, last year it was our inability to stop the run that cost us that last game against the Raiders. This year it was our inability to run the ball on offense. And looking at it historically across the board for all playoff games, Teams who outrush their opponent have a 75% win percentage. And so last year, we couldn't stop the run. This year, we couldn't establish the run and got outran by the Jaguars significantly. And it, it allows it, it takes away from the balance of that offense. What, Justin Herbert is unreal when he's allowed to do the play action, get out of the pocket, and just sling the ball downfield. And Brandon Staley, I, I I really still admire the guy. But one thing that I just don't agree on is his – he says that you don't need a run game to utilize play action. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. You absolutely need to – if you're going to run a fake – because that's what a play action is, and it's a fake run to a pass. If you're rushing the ball seven times legitimately and getting seven yards, I'm going to let you – do that run until you prove to me that you can run the ball effectively. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to watch the receivers because I'm, I'm going to play into the strength of the team, which is your pass game. On top of that, I just think Brandon State or, or Lombardi's biggest weakness is his inability to play to his player's strengths. Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in play action passes. Even with the inability to run the ball, I don't think we did nearly enough design play actions this year. He just went away from it way too frequently. On top of that, he's just putting his guys in, in positions, in my opinion, to fail. I know we didn't have Mike Williams, our, our go-to deep threat. And to substitute that, he uses Keenan Allen to go deep, which I love the guy to death. He had 13 targets, just six catches. And a lot of that is because he's, getting the, he's running routes 20 to 30 yards downfield where he's just ineffective. When you have a guy like Donald Parham, who's a legit deep threat, I know Josh Palmer hasn't been utilized in that role, but because of his stature and his strong uh, his his skill set, which is catching contested balls, I thought he would have been a much better uh, guy to send deep 
while you let Keenan operate over the middle. On top and of that, they did it his rookie year. We sent my uh, uh, Josh Palmer deep in his rookie year, and in Tennessee, it, that was a, a strong point was his ability to go and track right down the ball field. deep down the field. I, I think that's the biggest reason that Lombardi got canned because he he doesn't understand. I, I don't know if it's just like yeah, what, what it is, but he doesn't play to his player's strengths. The other one that I wanted to point out was the designed run to Michael Bandy, who hasn't had a rushing attempt since he was an all, you know, a, a, a star receiver at San Diego State. Hadn't practiced it all year. That was a play that we run to DeAndre Carter, who who went out with injury in that game. And you've seen it. Michael Bandy jumped out of the way because he wasn't ready for that. How are you going to put guys in those types of situations? He didn't even know that was designed he didn't know. for him. And that's what I'm saying. He, he Lombardi just did a very bad job of communicating what he expected and what he needed of his players. And a big takeaway from the Brandon Staley end-of-the-year presser is that he is looking actively looking for a offensive coach that fits his style of play. Lombardi was just a, a filler because when we hired Staley two years ago, the guys that he actually wanted were were weren't there. He went back to you know the the you the read that beat article too. Yeah, I think that's where I got it. Um, but again, he he didn't want Lombardi. It was a it was a fallback move. He obviously pulls on the strings because they've known each other for a long time. Um, but it was a bad move. We've, we've saw that the last two years and a big thing, I think we realized, I think it's in that bolt beat, um, article two. We significantly missed, um, Frank Smith, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator because our run game 30th worst in the league this year. I think we averaged like about 89 rushing yards a game when we had the, Six yards per carry or something like 3. that? 3.8 yards. Only five teams in the league average less than four yards a carry this year. We're one of them, the third worst, when we had the third best pass offense on the year. So that led our scoring to be about 24 points a game, 15th in the in the league. Um, it kind of averages out. When you have such a high-powered offense or a pass offense, it, it it's crazy how just a horrible rush defense takes you from a team that should be averaging 30 points a game down to 24. Uh, and, and what else can you say? Lombardi's gone. Um, next, uh, the point of emphasis for whoever comes in and takes over that job needs to be giving Justin Herbert a complimentary run game so he doesn't need to throw the ball 50 times a game. And let me come out here and say this. I did not come out in support of Joe Lombardi my whole thoughts on that whole because my Twitter like blew up like everybody hated oh, yeah. me. You can't say anything. Everybody hated Lombardi. me, but in my mind and my thinking, there with the 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 offensive scheme that the Chargers have, there is not very many coaches that come from that tree. Pete Carmichael is the only coach who is at a head coach position. Uh, sorry, offensive coordinator position who fits that scheme and he's not leaving New Orleans. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, what do we do? What can we do to, to keep the scheme, build on it and make it better? Because if you're losing Joe Lombardi and you're not replacing him with a, a similar style coach, then you're changing the entire offensive scheme, which also means more of the offensive coaching staff is gone. Learning a whole new offensive scheme 
it's not an easy process, right? So my whole thought and thinking in it, and I said it multiple times, I, I don't agree with most of the decisions Joe Lombardi made this year, but how does this change the team? There's so many unknowns now because what, now that Joe Lombardi is out and Shane Day is out and Pete Carmichael already said that he's returning, we are going through a whole scheme change. And that's kind of scary, especially knowing that your head coach is still in place. So rarely do you get a offensive coordinator replaced and the head coach stay on. And then they also change the scheme because Brandon Staley doesn't know the new scheme. Right. So that's really interesting. Something that we have to, to really look at because I think it's going to be a brand new offensive coaching staff. I know we only lost two right now, but I guarantee you whatever offensive corner is coming in is going to want to help bring in some of his own staff, guys that get his own scheme. You know, Nathaniel Hackett, if he's the, the answer, and there's a bunch of them, right, but he's going to bring over some of that coaching staff that he had in Denver and in Green Bay. What is that going to look like? So that was my whole thought on it. I never was like, I was not happy with Joe Lombardi all season long, but that being the case, it's so much of an unknown and whoever offensive coordinator comes in is going to have total control of the offense because Brandon Staley is not going to have any idea what to do on that side of the ball. No. And I think a big, a big problem with Brandon Staley just right now is that he, just like Justin Herbert is, expected to do a way too much in a time where he's young they're both learning so the reason i'm okay with completely revamping the scheme is because we're bringing back a defensive scheme that is only getting better and was the most dominant at the end of the year if we could do that for a prolong that along over the course of a entire nfl season then the offense just needs to be okay and average it was horrible when with with a lead if this defense can get us turnovers it can get us in the red zone it can get us in positive field position then we don't need a, a amazing offense um and i'm okay with changing up the scheme because just something needs to change i'm happy that it wasn't a complete breakdown and you got a new head coach and two new defensive coordinators because then we're at we're at you know we're right at the beginning with a a franchise quarterback entering his prime i'm okay with this because i i believe in justin herbert i believe in the guys around him austin eckler keenan allen mike williams those guys are pros give me a new offensive coordinator give me some new pieces on that side of the ball and show me that we can run the football i think we and we're getting some pieces back on defense about uh austin johnson's coming back we, we saw the resurgence or, or of Morgan Fox. They got a good defensive line. We got a good defense. We have good pieces. Something needed to change, and I think the front office made the right choice in letting Joe Lombardi go uh, because, to me, that was the most glaring weakness of a team that should have honestly been competing for a, a deep playoff run and just fell short. Yeah, I agree. Let's talk a little bit about these offensive coordinators. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I think everybody talked about the Jaguars-Chargers game enough this week. I don't yeah. think anybody wants to hear more of it. So let's start looking forward, and let's talk about some of these offensive coordinators just a little bit. So obviously we fired Joe Lombardi and Shane Day. 
Uh, Pete Carmichael has already said that he's going to be returning, so he's not going to be an option. So this is kind of what you've got in terms of uh, available offensive coordinators. Greg Roman recently just told the Ravens that he's no longer going to be um, coaching for the Ravens, uh, no longer going to be the play caller there. I think that situation is probably going to be more of a one-year off, uh, some sort of uh, early retirement, a sabbatical, if you will. You've got Byron Leftwich, who was just fired, uh, a, a coach that was an up-and-comer. I did write an article on Byron Leftwich. If you have a chance, go ahead and take a look. It is posted on our Twitter feed. Uh, and then the other big name that has been kind of rolling around everywhere, Frank Reich. Uh, we are familiar with Frank Reich. I also wrote that article, so you can take a look. And then I'm just going to pick on on the next you know, six or seven or so uh, big names. You've got Joe Brady. Uh, quarterbacks coach for the Bills. You've got Nathaniel Hackett, former head coach of the Denver Broncos and offensive coordinator uh, for the um, Green Bay Packers. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the head coach for the Texans. Um, he spent the last season as the offensive coordinator for Alabama. Uh, you got Cliff Kingsbury. Right now he's in Thailand, one-way oh, ticket. Man. That guy just was like, okay, I, I need a break. I need to get out of here. Don't talk to me. Uh, Bobby Slowick is an interesting name, a really young coach without that, that experience as a play caller. But as San Francisco's passing game coordinator, you can't talk enough about how well they have been at that position going down to, you know, Mr. Irrelevant over there and making three different quarterbacks like and not missing a beat on either single one. Uh, you got Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach for uh, really developed Jalen Hurts into a, a superstar this season. Uh, the last two I'm going to talk about are college coaches. Uh, Matt Weiss, who is the uh, offensive uh, quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator, something of that nature with Michigan. And then you got Todd Munkin, who is the offensive coordinator for Georgia. Those are the big names. There's a couple other ones. I, I'm thinking of like the, the Bengals quarterbacks coach. Um, any thoughts on any of these guys? Because it feels like one of these guys more than likely is going to be the answer uh, who has earned at least an opportunity to be the play caller for a, an NFL franchise. Yeah. Um, I'm, and I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't put too much thought into it or, or much research into any of those guys, obviously, Frank Reich did really well for us, earned a head coaching role because of his success here with Philip Rivers. Uh, and let me stop you real quick. So Frank Reich earned his success uh, under uh, the Eagles and taking uh, Carson Wentz, turning him into an MVP caliber player and also turning um, uh, the quarterback who won MVP of the Super Bowl, uh, Nick Foles. Uh, he was fired after a 3-13 season with the Chargers um, going uh, – that, that was oh. a really bad year for us. Then I'm, I must have been thinking I, – I think I'm confusing him with Frank maybe Wright Wizenheim went and, and played uh, – was offensive coordinator for three seasons for the Chargers all under – On bad uh, years. Uh, four, four or five McCoy. years, something like that. Uh, but, yeah, he was our offensive coordinator for a couple seasons, but – it was the downward trajectory of his career. Well, I, what what I was going to say is a lot of those guys that you mentioned are guys who have have taken the next steps of for for guys 
taking the next step of quarterbacks. And I'm all for getting Herbert to the next level. But to me, that to me, the offensive coordinator next season for the Chargers is going to be the person who most understands the trench game and establishing the run and mirroring the pass off of that because it's all complimentary. I, 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 I get that the passing is more explosive, but you have to have balance. This, the Chargers were so dominant when there was balance in the run game. You know, Phillip Rivers to LT, Phillip Rivers to LT. Then we had, you know, even the, the um, what is his name? Ryan Matthews. There was Ryan a Matthews, with Ryan Melvin Matthews. Gordon. We, 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 and I love Eckler to death, and I think he could still be a good run, runner of the football. He's not a, if you're going to give him into a, a, a scheme where running is important, where you're getting 20 to 25 design rushes a game, you, you I, I think that's not his skill set. We need another complimentary back. We need to be able to run the ball effectively, and we need to be able to instill fear that we can run the ball, we can get four run, yards a, uh, um, a carry. To me, that is the only thing that is missing from Justin Herbert's success, to t- from him to take the next level. He needs a complimentary run game. And so to me, whoever has the best philosophy and the best vision for establishing a run game here in Los Angeles, that that's my guy. So I'll talk a little bit about some of these coaches. Uh, I know you haven't done a whole lot of research on them, but I, I, I have done a, enough a little bit. And I've kind of looked at a little bit of uh, the success and background of some of these coaches. Uh, one of the big names, Byron Leftwich. Uh, Byron Leftwich, you got to think back before. Jaguars and, quarterback. Yeah, Jaguars quarterback. But with Leftwich, you have to think about what he's he done with a quarterback that's not named Tom Brady, right? And he is a very pass-happy offensive mind. Tom Brady led the NFL in passing yards and won an MVP under him. And then you go take a look at James Winston. James Winston also led the league in passing yards one season. He also had 30 interceptions that year. So you can't just got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, Brett but Favre type of player. No Without offense, the wins. Yeah, no offense under Byron Left, which has been able to establish the run. So right off the bat, I, I don't care how much Bruce Arian talks him up. I, I don't think that it's good for the offense. I think it's good for stats but I don't think it's going to win you games. Uh, Frank Reich also had a a really hard time establishing the run as an offensive coordinator. Uh, He struggled to do it with the Chargers. Uh, He couldn't do it at all until he had um, a a head coach last season, the Colts running back. uh, What's his name? Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor took over and had an 1,800-yard season. But Carson Wentz was not successful in that scheme either. And you can't really call him a play caller in that offense because he wasn't. He was a head coach. Uh, I would look more towards somebody like Joe Brady. Uh, Joe Brady, who is a really, really impressive college mind, uh, kind of flamed out. I want to say he was with the uh, Panthers. And then he, he ends up getting fired out of that role where they were just missing talent all over the place. Chris McCaffrey was injured. He goes to the Bills. The Bills are not known for being a really good running team, but they've been efficient when they have ran. And 
Uh, I think that he's a, a coach, a young coach who is being lauded really as a, a masterful mind at, in play calling. Um, Nathaniel Hackett with the Packers, they were able to establish a run game under Aaron Rodgers um, and ended up taking Aaron Rodgers to an MVP season as well. Um, didn't really play all that well with Russell Wilson, who is supposed to be a really good quarterback. So what happened there? And he was the offensive play caller as the head coach with Broncos. Uh, Bill O'Brien, my thoughts on Bill O'Brien. Um, everybody knows the issues that happened with Bill O'Brien with the Texans, right? He wanted all this control, uh, butted heads with the GM. I don't see Tom Telesco even allowing that situation to happen. Uh, and I feel like Bill O'Brien is kind of wants to be Bill Belichick. Uh, he wants all the control and he's going to snipe you from behind kind of situation. Uh, Cliff Clingsbury, again, real pass happy offense, a great college coach, uh, really failed with Kyler Murray in that whole situation. Um, the last couple guys that I want to talk about, Bobby Slowick. I, I love everything that San Francisco does. Uh, San Francisco is so successful because of their run game. They've been able to do it multiple backs every single year. doesn't matter what injuries that they have. Granted, Kyle Shanahan is the play caller in that situation, but you can't pass up the fact that he has been coaching under an offensive mastermind. Uh, the reason why Kyle Shanahan's job has been safe, even when he had you know that five-win season, when the injuries started piling up at the quarterback situation. Uh, Brian Johnson, uh, uh, the Eagles are not known as a very good rushing team, but they've got some pieces there. Uh, I don't necessarily know how well he's been able to uh, establish that run game with the Eagles. That offense flowed through Jalen Hurts. Uh, might be interesting to see how that kind of plays out, learn a little bit more about his background, where he comes from. And then the last two, uh, Matt Weiss, um, a he's uh what's the name of the coach over there that took San Francisco to a Super Bowl with Michigan? Um, Harbaugh. His brother plays is a Raven. Harbaugh. Uh, Harbaugh has been able to establish a run game and a passing game. Uh, he was able to do it with Colin Kaepernick and Frank Gore. Um, what kind of background do you think Matt Weiss has? Uh, father's Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss was the Notre Dame coach for Brady Quinn. Uh, something to kind of look a little more into there. And then the final guy, Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin has experience as in the NFL. Uh, he is the uh, Georgia Bulldogs have always been able to run the ball. Uh, they've always had a decent quarterback. Um, he's a, a guy that you might want to look at. I feel like those are the main guys. I feel like there's a, the Bengals quarterbacks coach. Um, Got a little, learn a little bit more about that situation with the Bengals are pretty even pass and run. They've been able to get it done both ways. Um, if you're able to kind of peel him away from that situation, you got to look at it a little bit more. But that's kind of your whole offensive coordinator uh, picture. And and there may be some other guys out there that a lot of people don't know about yet that we're still waiting to hear about. We'll have to hear and wait and see uh, who the Chargers plan to interview in the next couple of weeks. So. Uh, that's about everything I can say about the whole offensive coordinator situation. Uh, I will be posting some more articles. Zach, if you want to go and do some research and post an article, go for it. But that's kind of where we're at with the offensive coordinator search. 
also quarterback sir, uh, coach search is going to be instrumental as well. I'm just happy that change is coming. Um, I, I think a lot of people, you, you see the embarrassing loss and you just want to tear everything down. Not all every not every foundational brick that was laid was bad. I think we got rid of the faulty ones. I think what we are building and what we have built is strong. It's time to take the next step and and an elite offensive coordinator, not even an elite. I think just a decent offensive coordinator will help us. If he's elite, you better watch out. We are going to be scary. Um, I also just want to warn fans: we are not going to see the blockbuster offseason that we saw last year the money's not there um the guys that we have in house are good it's time to find complementary pieces through the jeff find low low contracts um at, for veterans who have been kind of slept on to supplement what we have in house the talent is is fine it's fixing this offensive scheme and allowing brandon staley to continue and add to this defense that's in place which i i, I think is is trending in the right direction. Um, and, and you always have to be happy when you're making progress. I know it feels like we aren't making progress, but we went, we, we made it to the playoffs. Next step is winning a playoff game and taking that as far as we can go. Um, I, I'm still diehard Charger fan until the day I die. I think all of the fans that are talking about, oh, I'm done with the team. This was never a team for you anyway. This is for the strong, um, and it's just going to make it so much sweeter when we finally get to raise that Lombardi here soon. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be talking more about some offseason things as they happen. Uh, Maybe we'll talk about a little bit about this uh, divisional round of the playoffs, make our way to the Super Bowl, and then get into the draft, free agency, all of that good stuff. Uh, This is kind of one of my favorite parts of the season is – the off season. I don't know why. I just get excited talking about it, thinking about it. Because you can't lose. You can't lose in the off season. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later.